It's time for JT the Brick. I'm working for free today. Get the blank out of here. The tackles that are coming into this program have now got to be. One of them's got to pop like Daryl Russell. One of them's got to pop. Who's it going to be? How long have we been waiting for a young defensive tackle to come in here since Daryl Russell and go, I got this. Don't take me off the field. I'm a beast. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll. I want an elite superstar, 25-year-old linebacker who's going to play five years in a row. You're going to pay him a new contract, and he's just great. This place hasn't done that well, and now Dave Ziegler probably could do a much better job at that position, I would believe, because the Patriots had a lot of good linebackers. Play that rant again. I'll get the hell out of here. And now... Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back to the show. We're brought to you by Modelo with the fighting spirit. A bucket of Modelo is the way to get any night going, any weekend going. Modelo, the fighting spirit, proud partner of the Silver and Black and Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back as we welcome in David Ferronas, who covers the Miami Dolphins, the beat reporter for the Sun Sentinel. And David, excited to talk to you first because I think in a good way, this is the most hyped team I've seen nationally over the last couple of weeks. Every time I turn around, there's a Tua bomb at practice, a Tyreek Hill comment. What's it like covering this team? Well, yeah, there's a different excitement level than there has been uh, for a while down here in Miami uh, with Tyreek Hill uh, coming into the, the, the franchise and uh, probably would be the most dynamic offensive playmaker this franchise has had since maybe Ricky Williams in the early 2000s. You probably even can go beyond that and just say best offensive player since Dan Marino was quarterback here. Uh, so uh, you definitely see it with uh, how much uh, this team has been in the national media. Uh, there's always uh, different programs, uh, morning shows, talk shows, uh, have all these different hot takes on uh, how improved can this team be, how improved can Tua Tungabailoa be, uh, everything Tyreek Hill is saying between the media and his podcast hyping up Tua, uh, whether he's how he compares to Patrick Mahomes, and uh, it's it's pretty it's been quite a whirlwind uh, to say the least. Yeah, and David, that's what's interesting to me about the comparison. You don't compare anybody to Mahomes. You just don't because Mahomes is there, but Lamar Jackson, you can, and maybe Justin Herbert and Tua. You know, we'll we'll find out, and you can help us with Tua and how great he's looked so far in camp. But for Tyreek, I, I sense that he's very honest. Uh, he talked in Kansas City, but he was behind Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. How is he functioning now as a leader, dealing with you and the media, all the reporters, the national and local media? How much is everybody locking in with Tyreek Hill? Right. Well, one of the first things that uh, new Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel, first-time NFL head coach, uh, was telling Tyreek as, as he joined the team in uh, in that trade with the Chiefs and uh, you know the five picks that were sent and the new extension he reached uh, with the Dolphins. One of the things McDaniel was telling him was uh, just be yourself. He really wants to uh, to empower players and uh, let the, their own personality shine. So uh, that was the first thing that Tyreek Hill said uh, at his introductory press conference, and uh, he has done nothing short of that. Uh, you see him expressing himself how he wants to, and um, he wants to support his new quarterback. And if it's making uh, over-the-top statements and, uh, and comparing accuracy to Patrick Mahomes, then that's what he wants to do. So, uh, and to an extent, uh, Tyreek Hill is going to say what he believes. So, to an extent, does he believe that? He had six, he's been in the league six years, uh, most of them with with Mahomes at quarterback. So, it'd be hard to say, boy, you could really compare them. But uh, to an extent, he really does believe in Tua overall, uh, is uh, kind of the the gist of, uh, of my impression. 
Dolphins insider David Veronis joins us as we go around the league trying to get as many teams and a breakdown coming to you. So uh, give me this offense at full strength with Waddle and Tua and Tyreek. Walk me through the tight ends and what this team could look like. We don't have to go that deep with the offensive line, but the skill position players from the running back to the receivers and tight ends and how ferocious and aggressive this offense could be under Mike McDaniels. Right. Well, a lot of speed. Uh, you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle together in a wide receiver's court. Uh, that's possibly the fastest wide receiver duo uh, you can have. Mm-hmm. Uh, then running back, same way. Raheem Mostert, uh, although he's 30 years old, brought over from Mike McDaniel's offense in San Francisco. Uh, he is possibly the NFL's fastest running back. And Chase Edmonds, he's a dynamic playmaker, both running and catching the football out of the backfield. So uh, you have uh, that kind of presence. And uh, Sony Michelle was brought in. He can be kind of a change of pace, run between the tackles guy, while you have the more of the, the speed and playmaking ability with uh, Mostert and Edmonds in the backfield. But they also brought in uh, Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys uh, to be a slot receiver. And it's going to be interesting because uh, both or between him, Hill, and Waddle, all of them can play in the slot as well. So there's a lot of different things that McDaniel can, can do, maneuvering them, motion. Uh, he's a creative, innovative, young offensive mind and coach. So uh, there's so much he can do there. And you still have Mike Kosicki, a big, tall tight end, who uh, in the past has lined up out wide so much and uh, and used that uh, 6'6 uh, body and long arms to uh, go up and get balls, contested uh, passes over defenders. So you still have him in the mix, and uh, maybe in this offense it's more of a traditional tight end role. They're trying to convert him to that. Uh, Gasicki has had blocking concerns in the past, so it would be something new for him. Uh, obviously, George Kittle, one of the best all-around tight ends, is what McTaniel mm-hmm. had in San Francisco, and in bringing in uh, his tight ends coach from there, uh, John Embry. So they, they're kind of trying to transform Gasicki into that. Could result in less targets for him, especially since you have all those other playmakers. But, uh, but they want to see a more all-around game from him. David Faronis is our guest, covers the Dolphins for the Sun Sentinel, a really good Dolphins insider covering the NFL. So uh, let's go to the defensive side where the strength of the defense, if I'm correct, has been the secondary over the last couple of years with some playmakers there. So take us from the back of the secondary to the pass rush and how this team has improved. Yeah, well, it starts first and foremost with uh, Xavier Howard at cornerback. Uh, 20 plus interceptions uh, since he's come into the league. Uh, he had a uh, 10 two years ago. Um, it changes games uh, with his ability not just to, to uh, pick off passes, uh, force turnovers, but also take them the other way when he gets his hands on them. Um, he won a, a couple, maybe three games, you could say, on his own. With the last year, when you talk about the week one, uh, punching the ball out. Uh, Damian Harris against the Patriots and, mm-hmm. and recovering the fumble at the end when the Patriots were setting up for what could have been a winning field goal. Then uh, he had a pick six against the Patriots in the finale, uh, and that he had huge plays in leading to that sweep of, of the division rival. And then uh, when the team was really struggling uh, uh, midseason and then uh, this Thursday night win against the Baltimore Ravens uh, kind of catapulted them to winning eight of their last nine games, uh, he had a fumble return for a touchdown in that one. So just the ability to change games at cornerback. Uh, Byron Jones opposite him. Uh, the Dolphins need him back. He's been on the physically unable to perform list, coming off a lower left leg injury and uh, and surgery this offseason. So uh, having both of them along with the, the nickel corner, Nick Needham, they need all of them together to be able to play that man coverage that allows them to blitz uh, as aggressively as they do. That's a big component of uh, coordinator Josh Boyer's defense, who now has to run this defense without the backing of uh, Brian Flores. He always had him 
since uh, their New England days together. And uh, at safety, Javon Holland, second-year player, uh, he's uh, had, having a phenomenal camp after a really standout rookie season. In fact, uh, he just had two interceptions in today's practice on Tua. Uh, he had another one uh, the day before, so that's three in two days. Uh, so he's really putting it together to to be a you know a future Pro Bowl or maybe All Pro uh, in in the not too distant future. Hey, finally, Miami is real hot. The F one event was just incredible. Yeah. I don't know if you went. It was just insane to see the celebrities and the stars that came there. I love the remodel of Hard Rock Stadium from being there in the past and to see what they did. They nailed that. You can draw from South Beach and Fort Lauderdale. This has been a dynamic fan base, but the team has struggled throughout the Patriot era, and the Patriot era really did damage to Miami. It also did damage to Buffalo. It buried the Jets for years. What is the hype now with the Dolphins now that there's no Tom Brady? It looks like the Patriots are struggling. The Jets are still a mess, especially as they try to figure out the quarterback situation. And Buffalo... Is a team that has struggled going down into Miami from time to time in the heat of the humidity, and Miami has had a chance to go up to Buffalo and win over the years. Does it feel like a two-horse race between the Dolphins and the Bills, with the Bills being a heavy favorite? It's interesting you mentioned the F1 race. Sometimes as I drive out of uh, the uh, practice facility, which is adjacent to the stadium, uh, part of the parking lots and stuff is still some of that track, that racetrack. So mm-hmm. I feel really cool uh, driving my, uh, my Honda Civic on portions of uh, – of the racetrack out here, but uh, yeah, the the AFC East. Boy, I, I wouldn't put the Dolphins quite up there uh, with the Bills uh, for sure. I would think uh, more so it's uh, it's right now uh, competing to to make sure they get that second spot ahead of the Patriots. They did sweep them last year, but the Patriots did uh, earn a wild card playoff spot last mm-hmm. year, and uh, you can never count Bill Belichick out, of course. So. I, I see the, the Bills as, as a, a pretty big favorite in, in the AFC East and uh, possibly the AFC as a whole. Uh, that whole AFC, uh, boy, because when you look at the four teams in the West and uh, definitely uh, several of the teams in the North and the Colts and Titans in, in the South, there's going to be a lot of competition for those wild card spots. So uh, the Dolphins are, are probably in that mix of, uh, of trying to attain one of those three wild card spots. If uh, you assume the, the Bills will get that top uh, seed in the AFC East and. Uh, Buffalo has uh, has had a, a was it now going on three years of, uh, of sweeping the the Dolphins. So mm-hmm. yeah, even uh, last year, early season, he in humidity, they, they came down to to Miami week two, and uh, handed it to the Dolphins thirty five to nothing in a game where uh, Tua was knocked out of the game. So uh, they'll get him again uh, at home early in the year, mm-hmm. and then they have to travel uh, late to uh, to the possibly frigid uh, yes. uh, Buffalo. So that'll be interesting. That's always a dynamic uh, between Dolphins, Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, even Dolphins, Jets. When you talk about how the the schedule breaks down in, in with the two games. Thank you, David. Really good hit. Really detailed on the Dolphins and what to look forward to this year. Hope to have you on again. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thanks so much. Anytime. David Veronis from the Sun Sentinel in Miami. Good look at the Dolphins as we get ready. Uh, Raider Nation. That team is loaded. Loaded with Waddle and Tyreek if they're at 100% and it's a regular season game. So the offense is very dynamic with Mike McDaniels. I don't think more dynamic than Josh McDaniels because Josh got six Super Bowl rings. And Mike is a very good coach, but he's not at the level of Josh McDaniels, and there should be some growing pains for them there. But look, if if two is smart this year, if two is smart, the ball's going to come out really quick to Waddle and to Tyreek, really quick, like three-step drop, boom. He makes a decision, 
Ball comes out. Those two guys make someone miss, and they got a 30-yard gain, 60-yard gain, first down. That's what the Dolphins are going to have to do here. It's very interesting. The Raiders are in a different position. The Raiders can't let the AFC West run away from them, which I don't think it will. It, it, God forbid anything happen, but the, the AFC West, no one should be able to run away and hide the way we watched over the last couple of years. The last couple of years, you know, Mahomes had come out 5-0, and 6-0, and 8-1. Division's over. Raiders are playing for a wild card by week three. That can't be the case this year. The Raiders have to manage the early portion of that schedule. They have to manage the early portion of that schedule, make sure they're in a really good spot, one game back, two games back, one game up, whatever it is. The Dolphins, the same thing with Buffalo. The Buffalo is the heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl, which means they're the heavy favorite in that division there. And they're going to do a hell of a job. So that's all going to make this very unique for Miami. They cannot let Buffalo run away and hide. You remember last year? A lot of people don't but because Buffalo lost to Kansas City with 13 seconds, that famous 13 seconds. Buffalo was chasing New England. At one point, New England was chasing Buffalo. Mac Jones in New England shouldn't have been that close to Buffalo. Buffalo lost a lot of games because their schedule was tough, and they let New England hang around, and Mac Jones hang around to be a playoff team. Everybody was scratching their head going, how did New England do so well? Because Buffalo didn't play great and separate themselves. This year, I have Buffalo separating themselves. I'll do my Super Bowl preview show in two weeks here nationally, and I'll tell you about what we're going to have lined up there. But last year, I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl, and this year, I'm leaning for the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Bills should have won the Super Bowl last year. They had the lead in Kansas City and had an utter collapse with 13 seconds to go to force overtime. I think the Bills are better than everybody in the AFC. Everybody, they're better than Will they be able to manage the schedule, get a bye week, and play some cold-weather games? 702-365-9200. Steph McKenzie is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Jordan Schultz is kind enough to join us. What a story this guy is. Last time I talked to him was a couple of weeks back as I filled in for Jim Rome, and now he joins us exclusively on Raider Nation Radio as we take a look at the Seahawks and Jordan, I'll jump right in. The Seahawks, I believe, are almost tanking. The top two quarterbacks in next year's draft are perfect for them. So let's begin with Geno Smith, the projected starter. And how could that be since the Hawks had two years to prepare for the exit of Russell Wilson? Yeah, this is a situation that has been brewing a long time in Seattle with with Russell Wilson, JT. The fact that you had a guy that you know really was over the last couple few years um, I mean, thinking about leaving, trying to figure out where he can not only win, but also continue to build his brand. Um, and Seattle, you know, I, I'm from Seattle. I'm biased. It's a great city. Um, but, but they're in a position right now, if you look at the roster, a lot of young players, a lot of young picks who are in their second year, third year rookies. Um, and if you go, if you look a, a year ahead from now, you got Will Levis out of Kentucky, C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, Bryce Young out of Alabama, a couple other guys in the mix, um, you know, should Seattle decide that they're going to go quarterback, I can't imagine they wouldn't. So it, it, it'll be a, a very interesting year. I can tell you that Seattle believes they're going to be competitive. I don't know what that means from a winning loss standpoint, but it's hard to imagine that they would, you know, win more than six games in the NFC West. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And if they win more than six games, they're not going to get those two quarterbacks that are coming out 
Uh, and, and they're two really good quarterbacks. They remind me of young Russell Wilson. So I think this is an interesting scenario. How do you think the fans are going to hold up there, considering the quality of product they've seen over the last decade with the 12s and all the intensity that there is in that stadium? Yeah, I, I judge that on, on, on how my friends feel because we all grew up huge Seahawks fans, very loyal to the organization, to the team. And there's a tremendous level of frustration. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I've asked everyone that I know that's, that's moved back to Seattle and then just some people around the organization of what's the, what's the feeling of, of the city. Um, Seattle, when the Seahawks were rolling, when they really had it going, they had so much juice. They, it was electric. You, you could not get a ticket. It was like it was like the Mariners kind of in '95, '97 with Griffey, you know. Except they won a Super Bowl. I think now uh, expectations have been tempered, um, it, but it's almost like if you go back last year, there were still a lot of expectations, you know. And, and the team obviously struggled. Russell got hurt, played through it, never really got on the same page. I think this year, fans understand in Seattle that this is a rebuilding season. They're very young, and they're going to rely on a lot of young players, but. You know, 12s are a, a, a bunch of very, very passionate fans, JT. I'll tell you, if they were to start off, it's almost worse if they start off 3-1 and one or 4-2 and two because <laughs> then the expectations get really high. They, you know, they, and they open uh, national TV against Denver and Russell Wilson. I think it's a Sunday night game. That's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, and again, me being in the AFC West, we'd like to see Denver lose that game. And to say that Geno is going to start that game, I'd rather see Drew Locke from a competitive standpoint and him being ready to go for some payback in that game. But we'll talk about that as we get closer to the game. Your pin tweet, Joe Flacco was all but assured to be the week one starter for the Jets. A Jets got to be really happy about the surgery and the outcome for Zach Wilson. And they seem to have time to get him ready if they wanted to, but no sense of urgency. Can Flacco be competitive out of the gate for that team against Baltimore? Uh, yeah, I think he can be competitive. They they really like him. Robert Salah likes him. Uh, the offensive staff likes him. I mean, it's so ironic that he would open the season against the Ravens where he won a Super Bowl and had one of those great playoff runs. Um, but, you know, the, the bigger picture is this, this is Zach Wilson's team. Uh, you know, the, the Jets believe he's a star, and I think he's got a tremendous amount of ability. They surrounded him, certainly with a ton of talent. But as for the week one game, I saw the line moved a little bit. Um, I think, you know, I love Baltimore, but I wouldn't be surprised, JT, if, if Flacco had turned back the clock for like two, 275, a <laughs> couple TDs. Uh, but but they I, also what, what's interesting about the Jets is they're going to run the ball a lot. You know, they had Michael Carter, a second-year guy they like, and Brees Hall, the first-round pick out of out of uh, Iowa State, they really like. Um, so I, I'm fascinated by that by that game and really by this team because this is I can tell you you know I live in New York now. This is the most excitement without question that the Jets have had over the last decade. Jordan Schultz is our guest. Uh, what are your sources telling you with the Cowboys? Because Jerry is going to stick by Mike McCarthy for now. He won't at the end of the year if they miss the playoffs. They got something going for them. They're not in a great division, and with the talent the Cowboys have, they should be able to, even if they have almost a little bit better than a 500 year, that could be good enough to make the playoffs and host a home game. But the Wolves are at the door. Those 17 penalties in the preseason, McCarthy's not calling plays. He's not a defensive mind there. I don't know. I like Mike McCarthy as a human being, but as a coach here, it just looks like he's looking around here and he's not in charge. What are you hearing? Yeah, that's that's the... That's what we heard in Green Bay, the same thing. You know, he got, he got a lot of extra time because they won a Super Bowl early on in Aaron's career. And, and I think McCarthy 
you know, rode that wave as, as long as he could. And now you're in a situation in Dallas where um, expectations are very high. They haven't had a playoff win, I think, since 94. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, this is a, this is a team and an organization that, for better or worse, believes because of Jerry Jones that they're going to win a Super Bowl every year. Uh, I think this roster is, is good. It's not great. The division is competitive, but it's certainly winnable. Um, but I would be stunned uh, if two things happen. One, if they had a long, sustained playoff run, because I don't know how Mike McCarthy can get that. And then two, if McCarthy were to be back. You know, I mean, they, they, have, they still have Kellen Moore there, the OC, who they love. Um, I think he, he's being groomed. But, you know, regardless of what Jerry Jones says, I, I don't think that that Mike McCarthy has complete control. I, I don't think he ever will. And every time you watch his teams play in big games, going back to even last season with Dallas, JT, it seems like he costed, he costs you two, three games a year because of his clock management and just foolish decisions. So I, I'm not a big believer. As we're wrapping it up with Jordan Schultz, handicapped the AFC West. Raiders made the playoffs with 10 wins. I know, I know the Raiders, Char- a lot of excitement with the Raiders, right? Well, I, I don't think the national media has given the Raiders a chance in hell. The, the season win totals at eight and a half. They won 10 games, brought in Josh McDaniels, and they brought in Chandler Jones. They got stars all over the field. But everybody I look at has the Chargers going deep into the AFC playoffs. Denver being the sleeper team to make the playoffs. And Kansas City's real good. How do you have it? Slot it for me one through four. Yeah, I have Kansas City. By the way, this has moved three times, but – uh, I have Kansas City, uh, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. Um, so I think the Raiders are a playoff team. Finishing third in that division should get you, I would hope so, yeah. a playoff berth. Um, the division is unbelievably tough. I don't think there's any question it's the hardest division in the league. Um, and you could see a scenario where every one of those teams has a, has a sustained playoff run because they all have great quarterbacks and they all have great offenses. Um to me, it's really about the defenses. You know, the, the, the Chiefs have tried to revamp. The Chargers obviously go out and get uh, a ton of guys and, you know, J.C. Jackson and, and Mack. And then you have the Broncos who got Randy Gregory from Dallas. So I, I'm really excited about the division as a whole. But I love the Raiders. I, I've been very adamant that this is a 10-11 win team, um, as good as the division is. And I think Derek Carr, as good as he has been the last two years, will be very good to great this year, you know, reuniting with Devontae. Uh, Adam, so I, I'm very excited about the team. A last football question. My Super Bowl preview shows in a couple of weeks. I like to pick the Super Bowl winner before the year instead of some of the scam artists who do it when the playoffs begin. you got to have the balls to do it before the season started. Last year I went with Buffalo. 13 seconds of death in Kansas City. Stole yep, the game yep. from them the right way. I'm leaning going back to Buffalo. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. They're my pick as well. Last year I had, before the season, Rams over Bills. This year, mm. I got uh, Bills over Packers. Uh, I'm all in on Green Bay. I think the defense is going to be excellent. Uh, and I think, you know, having – obviously losing Adams hurts, but they're going to love this kid, Romeo Dobbs. And I think you'll see a team that's committed to the run in a big way. So I'm excited about Green Bay, by the way. I know that they haven't got as much love. But as for mm-hmm. the Bills, top to bottom, 153, that quarterback, JT, you're not wrong. They brought in James Cook, the rookie out of Georgia. They love him. I, I love it. I mean, there's nothing not to like about the Bills. If Josh Allen stays healthy, there's no reason why they don't win it or why they can't win it. Last one. What are your sources telling you about Durant? This is right up your wheelhouse. This is yep. 
a yep. soap opera of the highest degree. Everything yeah, that Durant wanted has gone backwards on him. What are you hearing from the Durant camp and what Brooklyn's holding out for? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to Rich Kleiman, his manager. There's no secret that Rich doesn't – Rich would prefer that, that he would stay in Brooklyn. Um, I can tell you that the retirement rumors came out of nowhere. I don't, I don't know who started that, but that was nonsense. Yeah. There's no way yeah, Kevin nonsense. would retire at this point at 33. Um, well, if, if I if gun to my head, um, I still feel like he would probably stay in Brooklyn this season. But it's obviously put the entire NBA on hold. There's still a lot of things that need to happen, moves that, that haven't happened because of Kevin. And, you know, he's he's someone that is, 33, I still think he's got three, four really good years left. And mm-hmm. uh, he knows, and in, in, he's a hit basketball historian, JT. He knows in order to cement himself as a top 10, top 15 guy, he needs to win at least one more title. So um, I think that's a big part of this. Good to talk to you. Am I going to see you in Vegas anytime soon? You're coming out for a game, coming I, to roll the dice, to, make uh, your bets? Legion. I heard everyone that I've talked to says it's probably the best stadium in the league. Is that, is that fair? It's fantastic. I mean, it's different than SoFi, but it's more Vegas, and it's in a much better piece of dirt than Inglewood. I can promise you that, with a lot more fun around it than Inglewood. So come on out here, and I'd love to take no, you out for some booze to. and food. If, right, if I come out there, if I if I come out there, we'll definitely link up, and uh, love to to be a part of Raider Nation, see what it's all about. Wow. All right, Jordan. Jordan Schultz wants to be a part. Thank you, Jordan, of Raider Nation. Appreciate him coming on there. Quick uh, disclaimer as he gets off the phone. Bobby's probably saying goodbye. Jordan Schultz's dad is the founder of Starbucks, Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz is worth reportedly $3.8 to $4 billion with a B. And Jordan didn't get into the Starbucks world where he could be running the company or helping run the company. If my dad founded Starbucks, you would have never hear from me again, ever. I'd be on some island on my laptop acting like I work for Starbucks. That guy's a grinder. He's got NBA insights. He's got football insights, and he's a really good guy. You're going to be hearing more and more of him, not only on this show, but all national shows, because he breaks news. I don't know how he did it, but he got into these platforms with this podcast with CJ McCollum, which is really good. The Portland Trailblazer one-time guard has moved on, but he's got good content and really good content on the Seahawks. So we just knocked out in 28 minutes the Dolphins, who the Raiders are playing on Saturday, and the Seahawks, who the Raiders play this year. So we're going around the league, going around camps, trying to keep you up to speed while we get you going with the Raiders on a really good day where a lot of players returned to practice, got off the pup list. Good to see Darren Waller. Raider Nation's excited about that. Trayvon Mullen. How quickly can he get up to speed? Does he need to be bubble-wrapped, or does he need to play? We'll get into that. And Steph McKenzie will join us from 97 Won The Point. Looking forward to talking to her. If you're ticked off making all the money that I'm making, you're probably you're probably a little bit messed up. If you watch some of the great quarterbacks, man, it's not always about getting the most money. It's about going out there and winning and having a legacy that you can kind of live with forever. Obviously, I want to make money and be able to buy everything I want and all that different type of stuff, but that's not the reason I started playing football. The reason I started playing football was to win Super Bowls, to enjoy these relationships that I'm building on this field with all, with all my friends that are my teammates. What a great soundbite by Patrick Mahomes. Is that incredible? 
It's about your legacy. It's not about making the most amount of money. Easy to say when you're making the most amount of money or close to it. JT, back with you. You just heard the voice of Steph McKenzie. She joins us now, the legendary rock jock from 97 Won the Point, who I bumped into at Olive's Restaurant at Virgin Hotels the other night as we both were two ships crossing and coming through Virgin Hotels. How are you? I know. I got a hobnob with you like all weekend. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. First off, uh, we love going to Virgin Hotels. I have my podcast there on Friday coming up there. But uh, the restaurants are fantastic. It looked like you were having a good time and always a great place to catch a concert at the theater. Absolutely. And it's fun. I think even more importantly is people watching of them coming out of the concerts when you're right there at Olive's and you never know what you're going to see. Absolutely. So I saw you also at the torch. Thanks for coming up with your kids who are growing really fast. I when you walked away, I was like, wow, that's happening there quickly. What'd you think? Cause you're perfect for today because you bring kids to a preseason game. You might not bring them to a regular season game if the tickets are that much more and it's more of an adult experience. And we want kids to go to every game. But you were smart. You knew there was an opportunity to bring your kids and your son's a football player to see preseason football. What would you think? Well, you know, of course, this is where I live and die is at Allegiant Stadium or the Death Star, as we like to call it. And as a mom who has evolved into a Raider fan mom, I guess, I don't Mm -hmm. have a better way of saying it, taking kids is so important to me um, to see that experience, not just because my son plays football, but it's something that I have loved so much and I want them to experience all of it. And it's so funny you ask me this question because the experience with kids, especially both being nine, is different, right? Mm-hmm. They both love it. We have a great time. Allegiant Stadium is great. I think that they, every game we've ever been to with the kids has been very kid-friendly. You know, might not be tailgating like I used to when I have my kids. That will be at a later game. But, you know, the cheerleaders, we saw the decades of the Raiderettes. That was great for my daughter. And there's so much activity and excitement going on. The one thing that is tough to go with kids that haven't, you know, or just starting to get into football, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, JT, is the questions about everything and anything. Man, you better be on your game. The one question I thought was so funny, I couldn't wait to share with you, why is that gorilla everywhere we go when we do Raider stuff? That's <laughs> the <laughs> one question. I loved it. Gorilla Rilla. Steph McKenzie joins us. I'm happy you brought it up because it reminded me that Mark Davis didn't bring 30 cheerleaders back or 60 500 you're a cheer mom when you look down on that with your daughter i mean to me it was massive i was at the press box during halftime and when i saw them i looked down in the sea of humanity to have cheerleaders from the 1960s all the way up to the current cheerleaders that was really cool that's another generosity moment for mark davis and this organization and to see the original raiderettes light the torch on this preseason game i think sometimes we forget There is a lot of moving pieces, not just what you see on the field, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible what they have going on. And then Sister Sledge at halftime, so yes. as a rock jock, and maybe a little bit different there. And then Wayne Newton, Mr. Vegas before the game. Steph McKenzie joins us, 97 won the point. So I know you wanted to touch on Josh McDaniels, because last year was John Gruden, Rich Passaccia. You were on with me every other week. Now you got the new head coach with six Super Bowls coming from New England. Seems to have this thing really tight. What are your observations so far? Okay, I'm going to start a little bit from the beginning. Stop me if I get too winded. But mm-hmm. remember when we first talked about this, when this came down in the off season, as a fan, I'm going to give you a perspective as a fan. This is still 
you know, the tuck rule for me, right? So this mm-hmm. was a hard pill to swallow at first. And he's got a little bit of my most dreaded team ever in the world, some Bronco touch there, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm shaking it off and watching him on Sunday made me really, really appreciate not only that he's a seasoned coach, he's been in it, but I don't know about you, J.D., I felt like a seasoned steak, a well-fined steak, or a great glass of wine that's been aged. And everybody on the team, it was calm. He was into it, and it just seemed so put together. Mm -hmm. But yet, no one's flashy or out of control. Everybody was doing their part. No, that's a really good observation. They're not allowed to be flashy on this team, and I don't know him well. And I'll be interviewing him weekly, and it just seems like he is a football guy, and no one's yes. bigger than the team. And again, that a lot of coaches have that philosophy, but right. when you've coached with Bill Belichick for that long, right? And Bill Belichick had Lawrence Taylor with the Giants and Tom Brady. It really seems like that seeped into Dave Ziegler, the GM, and Josh McDaniels that no one's bigger than the team. We're not going to do a full press conference on Devontae. We're not doing a full press conference on Max. It's not going to be that way, and you know, you wanted to also mention, this is the Tom Brady playbook, and you're a big Derek Carr guy. You've always yeah. been really supportive of Derek. Now he had the Gruden playbook, which was four years welded into his brain, and now you add on to this to make him even more of an explosive quarterback on offense there. Well, especially when you look at McDaniels, right? Tutoring is the word that I've uh, been hearing thrown around of Tom Brady. You know, 10 Pro Bowl selections, on and on and on. You can throw out the stats, do what you want to do. But I'm excited for Derek because I've always been a Derek Carr fan. I think he's amazing. I think he's come in. He's always been a great leader for the organization. And maybe it's just a little bit off on like putting together that piece of the puzzle to just take him up to the just the superstar greatness of what a quarterback needs to be. And I'm I'm all in. I'm buying it after watching that preseason game and watching how everyone was on the sideline. I don't know how you are, unbeknownst everyone else. JT and I haven't been able to sit next to each other at a game yet. Mm-hmm. Someday maybe we will. But we watch. I know you watch differently, and I watch differently than just maybe someone just sitting down and seeing an excitement of a game, right? Yes. Uh, Steph McKenzie, as we wrap this up. So we love music. You have one of the biggest rock shows and morning shows in Vegas. I go to a lot of concerts. And I've been to a lot. I went to see the Rolling Stones in Liverpool this year, so my resume right. elevated a bit. <laughs> but you've been trying to convince me to go see Vince Neil and your band, Def Leppard, coming here. Oh. And I've been telling you, Def Leppard, I'm good with. And I've, I liked the crew over the years, but I was concerned about Vince. And now I'm hearing that Vince is kind of in shape. The voice is in shape. What should we look forward to, the, to this massive rock concert coming to Allegiant? Well, you know, I cannot discredit my boys because Poison... Motley Crue and Def Leppard are the top three in my wheelhouse, period. I don't care what you have at me. That, that, that's it. I love them all. I would have hoped, and I'm going to say it very eloquently, that Vince would have done a little bit more training from mm-hmm. what we're seeing and what we're hearing. And then, of course, the big Tommy Lee debacle last week. Everyone said he did that just to take the focus off of their singing I still am looking forward to the concert, and I cannot wait. The countdown is on. Well, that should be the best rock and roll. Shouldn't it be the largest rock and roll tailgate in the history of Allegiant, other than the Stones and Metallica was insane? But this seems like a concert with Joan Jett and and Motley Crue and especially Def Leppard and Poison that... The tailgating should be great. I encourage everybody to get inside to a legion, but shouldn't there be uh, some great tailgating with these bands? 
Well, and but I will say this too. I have been told, and I've had friends in in multiple states see it. Joan Jet is amazing. Do not miss her. Whatever you do, how much you want to drink, how much you want to party, who you're going with, I have heard she is amazing. And do not miss that. Maybe then go back out and tailgate if you can. But I don't know. It's going to be warm, and I think that the party is going to be inside. JT, I really do. Just like when you go to the Raider game, tailgating is awesome and it's fun. But the Death Star has taken us to the inside of great parties inside as well. Wow. Good. From the great Steph McKenzie. Uh, 97 won the point. All right. So I have a homework assignment for you. Ready for this? Oh, uh, my gosh. I've not gotten one from you in yes. two years. Here's the deal. Your favorite player was Alec Engel. Loved oh, him. And we wish him well. Him. Wish him well. Yes. Great guy. He'll be spending time in Vegas. Are you leaning towards your new favorite Raider player? Because, you know, Hunter Renthrow's easy. I'm not going to let you choose Carr. That's too easy. So are you working oh. Are you working on a new favorite player for you? Maybe someone new on the team? Or I'm going to give you a couple of weeks so you can come back next time with one. Okay, that's a good, that's a good homework. Can I, can I use a, a source? Can I talk to yeah. my son? Because we're on the football field every night. Can I talk to him about it? Yeah, and your son's went from flag to tackle. Did I hear that's true? Yeah, and guess what? He's actually stepping up, and they're giving grooming him for the quarterback position in the nine U Vegas Golden Knights division. Wow, nine U Vegas Golden Knights division. Steph McKenzie's son, a quarterback. He sounds like a two way player. Keep him on defense too. Uh, you know, he's going to stay clean as a quarterback, hopefully. But let him tackle some people on defense. Well, they they move around from cornerback to wide receiver to quarterback, so. It kind of freaks me out because I'm like, what am I doing? Where am I looking? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) It's a great time to be you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate you. Thanks, JT. Go Raiders. That's Steph McKenzie. Good to see her. You're listening to her in the morning. You have to be. 97 won the point. You can listen to our morning show. She's part of our team here at Lotus. Uh, been here a long time. What a great reputation. What a great human being and person there. And uh, she's diehard Raider Nation, man. She despises the Broncos. We barely touched on that. I have never met, never, maybe other than the great Black Hole Rob, rest in peace. I don't think I've ever met a human being who despises the donkeys more than Steph McKenzie. All the time she's gone into Mile High and put up with people and guys talking down to her and fights all around her, and she stood strong. She was right there in the snowball game with Lincoln Kennedy. So we appreciate Steph for coming on. Always good to hear from her. 702-365-9200. Tomorrow, a couple of insiders. The Big O from Miami, Orlando Azulgarity diehard dolphin guy as we preview and get you ready for that and then a couple other things i'm working on maybe a laker guest because lebron james with this contract extension and more on the raiders returning to practice as i'm planning on being out there the next couple of days eric allen and i get you ready for the pregame on saturday and uh, the first one that we're doing coming up together as the team is on the road i think we're doing it from the raider facility this first one before we get ready for the regular season so pumped up about that. And then next week's Alumni Week and the Patriots in town in two what should be great practices with Bill Belichick here. Belichick's coming to town for a couple extra days. That should be fun. Williams with a second free throw. On the way, the 90% free throw shooter drains it. 107-100. 16 seconds to go. Bird gets the ball. 
Bounce pass to Lloyd. Back to Bird. Turned over. Raquana Williams has it. KLC Plum on the breakaway. Count the bucket. And the Aces are going to win by nine. The Las Vegas Aces have themselves the number one seed for the postseason. I see you, Mark Davis. Right on, brother. There you go. Nice. T.C. Martin, friend, longtime friend here in Vegas, and happy for the Aces, the one seed. As they get ready, Raider Nation pulled for Mark Davis's Aces, obviously, and hopefully they have a championship run here. JT, as we wrap it up, thanks to all of our guests today. Again, Bobby threading the needle, putting all these people in. We're still doing summer radio. We're giving you Raider news. We're giving you Raider breaking news, Raider content. But again, LeBron James signing that extension was pretty big today. And uh, I'll be on tonight on SiriusXM with a couple of Laker guests. Uh, maybe one tomorrow, too, as we talk about this deal. LeBron James will be the richest athlete of all time other than a global soccer player. Remember, the soccer players are bigger, Ronaldo, Messi, because they're global. Now, LeBron's global, so is Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali was. But LeBron James is making enormous money on the back, back, back end of his prime. So is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be outside his prime. Tom Brady is way outside his prime, still playing well. And LeBron is going to do that with the Lakers here. But LeBron leaves himself an out. Every year he leaves himself an out. So if he doesn't like the direction of the team, and he shouldn't now, they don't look like they're going to win a championship, he can turn down that player option and go somewhere. And a lot of people believe that he's waiting for his son, Bronny, to make it to the NBA. So he'll play one year at some throwaway college and go right to the NBA and have an opportunity to play there. So that's a lot that we talked about, uh, the fight between Carolina and the Patriots as the Patriots are coming here. Also wanted to hear from Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They're having a tough time in camp with some of these new receivers. Listen to this, everybody. No Devontae Adams in Green Green Bay. Some of these new receivers he has are dropping the ball. Young guys, you know, they got to, especially young receivers, we got to be way more consistent. You know, a lot of... A lot of drops, a lot of bad route decisions, run the wrong route. So we gotta we gotta get better in that area. Wow. For a team that was favored to win the Super Bowl last year, Devontae split and maybe Devontae knew something. Here's Jerry Jones. A lot of pressures we talked about with Jordan Schultz with Mike McCarthy. Good guy, Mike McCarthy. Great guy. But the Wolves are at the door. Listen to what Jerry Jones just said. Well, I need to win it. I need I need to win it. But uh, uh, I'll be candid with you. Uh, there's degrees. Uh, I want to be fair to everybody concerned. Uh, we need to uh, uh, be in the playoffs. We need to be viable in the playoffs to have a, be a successful season. So Jerry Jones is basically saying we got to win in the playoffs. we got to get to the Super Bowl or Mike McCarthy will be fired for Sean Payton. And no matter what happens, unless McCarthy wins the Super Bowl or gets to the NFC Championship game, Sean Payton will probably take that job. And it'll be a big job because he started there and the work he did with Parcells. So this is a massive story, man. We don't have a story like that in Vegas. Josh McDaniels, the Gruden emails, and what happened with Coach Gruden had to resign and Rich Passaccia. That was a national story of epic proportion. Very unfortunate what happened there. Very unfortunate. What's happening in Dallas is just an owner who's won three Super Bowls and already has a gold jacket in the Hall of Fame and he wants to win. And finally, Bobby, play the final call of my Yankees losing, man. I've been cranky Yankee. I've been pissed off for weeks. The 2-2 pitch on its way. Swing and a miss. He struck him out in the Rays win. 
Rays win. Rays win. And they've won the first two of this three-game series here in the Bronx as Randy Arozarena's three-run home run way back in the first inning holds up. And the Rays beat the Yankees by a score of 3-1. to one. You know, the Yankees are in the playoffs. They have a nine-game lead. As of today, the show's today. It's live. They're the worst team in baseball. They've lost 10 of 12. That's worse than the A's and the Tigers. So the Yankees, as of my voice talking now, is the worst team in baseball. And it drives me crazy as a Yankee fan. Incredible that a team can go into the tank like that with that much talent. Incredible that they could. Thanks to our guest, Jordan Schultz. Thanks to Step McKenzie. A really good Dolphin insider. First time I ever talked to David Faronis. Really nice to have him on the show here, too. Uh, we'll put the show together tonight and tomorrow and have another big one for you tomorrow. I'm holding back on our Raider insiders because we're going to be hitting them hard during the year. And it's the best group of insiders that we've ever had on this show. So really proud of that. Q is on deck. Q is everywhere. He's at practice. He's setting up equipment. He's a program director. He's on the road. Uh, we're very fortunate to have him. Where would we be without Q? Keeping this and keeping it going to the next level. Have a great day, everybody. I'm on Sirius XM 82 tonight from 6 to 9 p.m. And back on Raider Nation Radio tomorrow at noon. Have a great one. Lost,